Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today's another AMA episode, that is, Ask Me Anything. I love to answer your questions, and if you have a question you think is going to be a broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to Victor at VictorJM.com. That's Victor at VictorJM.com. This question comes from Anu in San Diego. He says, I'm a big fan of your show and I listen to all your episodes. I'd like to know your opinion on the relative effect of upward and downward forces on San Francisco home prices. There's upward pressure on San Francisco Bay Area home prices because of low interest rates and pent-up demand. In the coming months, there may be downward pressure due to job losses and overall bad state of the economy. But there may be additional demand for bigger houses because many more people are working from home, needing more space. My local market, I'm seeing a ton of folks upgrading their houses because a three to four bedroom house is not enough anymore as both spouses require a separate home office now. This trend may be here to stay as more companies announce permanent work from home options. I'd love to know your opinion and how this might play out in the future. Well, Anu, this is a great question. In fact, there's several questions bound up in here. And you are correct in pointing out that very few existing houses were designed with workspaces in mind. Some houses had an office designed into them. My house is a rare exception to that trend and actually does have a home office. But most of the time, people are repurposing a bedroom as an office. If you live in an apartment, then the dining room table is one of the few options. San Francisco itself is a small market, but the San Francisco Bay Area consists of many submarkets and it spans nearly two hours driving distance from one end to the other. The Bay Area seems to be mirroring many of the same migration characteristics that we're seeing in other hub cities like New York, Toronto, and Seattle. Those who have been renting luxury apartments in the city left the high-density environment when it was clear they had no reason to be a short distance from an office that was closed anyway. They can afford to buy a much larger property in a lower-density environment, but don't necessarily want to leave the metro area altogether. After all, they're not quitting their job. Once things return to normal, whatever that means, I believe there will still be a large work-from-home component. Going into the office one or two days a week for face-to-face team meetings or customer meetings might become the new normal. Many major law firms and accounting firms are redesigning their offices to eliminate many of the conventional walled offices, increasing the number of conference rooms for client meetings and saving a bundle on rent in a smaller footprint. Distance to the office and commuting time during rush hour is becoming less important for many who live in major cities. Meetings can be scheduled to avoid rush hour traffic. So people are shunning the downtown apartments. Conversations with people I know who live in San Francisco proper are clearly showing the trend. Same things happen in New York City and Toronto. Like Toronto right now has 30,000 vacant apartments for rent in the core of the city. That's a huge number. And people are leaving their rental apartments in droves. Vacancies in some buildings in San Francisco are approaching 50%. Rents have fallen 35% across the city, and I'm hearing it's like a ghost town in the core of the city. People simply don't want to be confined to a box in the sky with no amenities during a lockdown situation where they've got to work, eat, sleep, and exercise. It seems more like a prison than a place to live. So we're now in the second lockdown, and it's clear that returning to an office environment is not in the near future if you work for a tech company or a biotech company in the Bay Area. If you can afford 5000 a month in rent in the core of San Francisco, then surely you can afford to buy a house in Fremont or Oakland or San Jose. All of those submarkets in the San Francisco Bay Area seem expensive when compared with the national average. And some people look at the median sale price as a measure of price, but I prefer to look at the price per square foot as the measurement. 
affordability comes down to absolute dollars, but also comes down to what you can buy for your money. See, in San Francisco proper, you're looking at about $1,000 a square foot as the median price for anything you want to buy. But if you go across the Bay Bridge to that lovely little enclave called Alameda, you might pay $580 a square foot. That's much less. If you want to be closer to amenities, maybe you'd prefer $680 per square foot in Fremont. Or if you prefer to cross the Golden Gate Bridge and make Petaluma your home, you'd only pay $437 per square foot as the median price. Maybe Petaluma's a little far. You don't want to drive 40 minutes into the city. You'd rather a 20-minute commute. Well, then there's San Rafael, where you can be closer to the water. In San Rafael, you'd pay $575 per square foot. See, for half the price of a rental one-bedroom in San Francisco, you could buy a three-bedroom, 1,400-square-foot townhouse in San Rafael with a patio, plenty of amenities like swimming pools and a gym and a two-car garage. You'd have all the space you need to have a good-sized master bedroom and two offices, one for each member of a couple. There's no need to be stuck in a box in the sky. And if you've got kids, yes, you're going to need a four-bedroom or five-bedroom house. All of this is going to be relatively affordable compared with being in the high-density environment. The suburbs don't have the problem of homeless people. You don't see protest marches in a residential neighborhood, but you do in the core of the city. So people feel safer in the suburbs. The reasons for exiting the core of the city just keep piling up. All of these factors are driving demand for housing in the Bay Area. We see the exact same thing happening in New York City. Single-family homes on Long Island are selling like crazy. If you had a condo in Manhattan at fourteen dollars or $1,500 a square foot and no longer have a need to be in the thick of the action in the city, you might prefer a town like Stamford, Connecticut. You can take the train directly into Grand Central Station in under an hour. I recently saw a listing for a 5,000-square-foot home on a third of an acre for under $750,000. You can't buy a one-bedroom condo in Manhattan for that price. If you need to take the train into the city once or twice a week for a meeting, then you get to enjoy a much higher quality of life compared with the noise, the smell, and density of downtown living. We're seeing millennials who had been living in the city finally getting married, starting families, and looking for a bit more space to spread out. The condo market, in particular the luxury end of the condo market, is oversupplied in the short term. The luxury apartment rental market is also oversupplied for the next while, and this is where we're seeing the massive correction. I believe this correction is going to be confined to those segments of the market, and this change is going to be with us for another three to five years before we find a new balance point in the market. So that's my perspective on what's happening in the San Francisco Bay Area as well as some of the other major markets that have many of the similar characteristics. I want to thank you, Anu, for a great question. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.